When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Cheaters, welcome to the Always Cheating Podcast. My name is Josh. I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great, Josh. Feeling refreshed. We're coming back from a from a little Always Cheating road trip with some friends. We're coming back from the American Southwest, Santa Fe, New Mexico, which is why this week's podcast is a day late. I see we have some inquisitive listeners, Josh. Part of the Always <laughs> Cheating brand is that we're yeah. we release. Sunday night, Monday morning, people can count on that. Yeah, but when yeah. when we're on an airplane, I don't know about you, Josh, but I actually love going to the airport and being on an airplane because it's one of the few places left on planet Earth where you're truly off the grid and disconnected from it used people. To be. Yeah, time was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, both both you and I paid the uh, you know the exorbitant amount of money for internet on the plane so we could yep. watch the North London Derby Sunday morning. Yep. Uh, but Chris T asks us paint the scene for non Americans on where you guys went this weekend. In my head, I have you hanging out at Connor's Ranch from Succession. I think uh, Succession fans will remember the family retreat where they they yep. do go to New Mexico and hang out in this this kind of plush uh, ranch in the middle of the desert is that is that kind of what we were doing i guess so yeah yeah we um this is something that we had uh, done uh, you know i didn't want to get into it too much on last week's pod i just we had a lot to cover in that one but uh it, as as we do always brennan this week as well but um yeah we uh I, we, once the pandemic started in march we had this group of friends that we started playing poker with and um i'll i'll happily plug the site that we used uh for free uh which is a site called pokernow.club the rare dot club. Not, not, I don't know a lot of dot clubs out there, Brandon. <laughs> yeah. uh, but- <laughs> I'm trying to think of what Eastern European nation has letters that spell club, which which yep. would signify the the availability of that uh, <laughs> suffix yeah. on the yeah, URL. It's like a Czech Republic Luxembourg uh, dual. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we 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 play this game uh, once a week, and then uh, we basically do a zoom call. And so we can, it's almost like, you know, it's like kind of like playing a person you know, through this site. And then, uh, you know, and then we do a little PayPal, you know, for the, for the money. We don't, we don't play for very much. It's just a friendly house game, but anyway, we've been, you know, I highly recommend it for anybody looking to do something like that, but we've been doing that for about 18 months. And, um, we decided in April, uh, that once the pandemic was over, haha that we would uh, schedule this trip to Santa Fe. And so we got everything scheduled in the spring. Uh, and then uh, obviously things were still pretty crazy here, but we said, you know what, we're just going to plow ahead and, and do this. Let's, let's go have some fun. And so uh, I'm really glad we did. It was a great trip. Um, and uh, highly recommend it for anyone who doesn't, um, who hasn't been there before. Even if you don't live in the United States, it's a place worth going to. It's up in the mountains, which I, I guess I was thinking in my head to be more like Arizona, like kind of flat kind of like man-made stuff, but it's really, um, it, it was wonderful. It was really Adobe everywhere. Lots of, uh, turquoise. That's what you're into. We did a big mountain hike. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. I mean, if, if, if you're not a succession fan, I would actually point you toward the movie total recall starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Santa Fe does look like the, 
the cliffs, the red cliffs of Mars. Mars. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it was a good trip. Apologies for being a day late. I hope, and you know, it's funny because it's the second time this season we've been a day late, which we almost never do. Uh, and it's just, just a weird uh, kind of quirk of timing. So hoping moving forward that every pod is back in our normal schedule and you'll have them all Monday morning. So anyway, let's get to some FPL chat here. Uh, yeah, just, and that was kind of, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess, again, this is, this is like sort of, uh, to the side of FPL a little bit, but been on the West Coast, I hadn't really experienced the early wake up before. Yeah. My goodness, anyone in California or the West, or, you know, just like wake at five thirty a.m. and then very strange that you had dual early morning kickoffs too, where you had uh, Chelsea hosting Man City and Man United hosting Aston Villa, which is you know I think a reasonably big match in its own right. You know, sure. a match that 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 would certainly you could see that being in the final match of Saturday's slot. You know, um, Prince William is turn, tuning in for that one. Exactly. Prince Williams, maybe he traveled there. You know, it's possible. I'm sure they have some very nice Any shots of him at the hotel or on the team yeah. bus? Yeah, I, uh, sadly, no. Although the, I like the shots of Terry Henry uh, next to Daniel Eck from Spotify. Did you see that? That was at the North London Derby. Yeah, people are talking. Spotify people, is interested in talk. buying Arsenal, so to speak. And I'm sure yeah. Arsenal fans would actually actually re- rejoice yeah. uh, getting rid yeah. of the Cronkies. So we had these early morning matches. You and I decide, even though we're on this kind of trip, there's just a heavy, heavy drinking involved that we're going to wake up at 5.30 a.m. to watch these matches. And it was the rare double dud. I mean, at least fantasy-wise. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a Man City supporter, awesome. Big win for you. Esteville supporter, likewise. But two one-nil road victories, uh, not exactly what I was expecting. And yeah. pretty and, and honestly, like for most of us in fantasy, it was just like a, a rough start, right? You had the Ronaldo blank, Luke Shaw injury, Reese James injury. What else am I missing? I mean, the only people who were celebrating were Joe Cancelo owners uh, right. who get a clean sheet and an assist. And that is right. the theme of today's episode is the FPL assets that – we're not talking about now some FPL managers out there who, be, who have been beating the drum for Cancelo, but I feel like there were there were many more. And, on, yep. and in this parish, Josh, we haven't talked about Cancelo enough. And yep. for me, as a manager who is on the cusp, not on the eve, Josh, but I'm on the mm-hmm. cusp of playing yep. my wild card. Yep. These yep. are the players that I need to sort of be zeroing in on. What yep. is the post? Uh, Damari Gray wildcard landscape look like? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question. And so, yeah, I think we're going to talk about, and obviously Cancelo is a player, as you noted, that, that that other, that should have been talked about more on this pod already. But I think I think we're going to dig even to some of the players who, who I, I think are truly under the radar. I mean, someone like Jamie Vardy, obviously an extremely famous player, uh, very well known, but not somebody who in this particular fantasy season has had a lot of, has been part of the conversation at all. Uh, Neil Mape, I think falls in that category, possibly even Gabriel Jesus. And so, you know, part of the, the, the theme of the season for you and me, you know, make fantasy fun again, that's permanent, Brennan, that's forever. Okay. Yeah. Nothing, nothing that doesn't move. Okay. This does not, you know, slip, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? But um, <laughs> sorry, it's Stevie G. Slow down there. <laughs> I think the other theme is uh, is uh, tabula rasa, right? This idea yeah. that we're going to start the season with a blank slate. The players that we think that we have a strong opinion about, and usually I, I mean this in kind of a negative way, right? That we sort of have an idea that we don't want them, we don't yep. like them, they've let us down before. We're going to approach them with fresh eyes this season. And you know, Reese James is a player like that for me. I've had like sort of some bad luck with him over the years. Mm-hmm. I gave him another chance. I've netted uh, one total point from two matches. So okay. you know, the, not, not the works, best tabula rasa example to kick <laughs> off with there, Josh. But sometimes it does work. Okay, and in part of the trick of fantasy, part of the way uh, that you can you know really make up 
or make up or, or just kind of, you know, continue to, to stay where you are is to get even just a week or two ahead of everybody else. And so, you know, I think, um, you know, Ismail Asar is a player that, um, that a lot of people, you know, that, that are starting to really consider. And, you know, you, you can sort of see why, because he's um, kind of the one player who you, seems like you can really rely on in Watford. And so let's talk a little bit about him as well. I think uh, Decore uh, deserves to be part of this conversation. So anyway, I don't want to just do the pod before we do the pod. So let's uh, let's talk before uh, before we get into the overlooked players. We'll talk about defenders and, and keepers as well. A little keeper talk today, Brandon. A little rarity. Love, love it. I love my GK talk. <laughs> you mentioned we're a little jet-lagged. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Game week six in the books. I mean, you know, this is not a game week that I think a lot of lot of managers. I'm sure there are some. Uh, a lot of managers are going to look back on uh, with with a ton of fondness. Uh, I finished on 49 points. I think you were on 40. Was it 42 or 43? Somewhere in that range. Well, way to take me down a peg. Uh, 41, actually. <laughs> yeah. The... I, was, I was being more Jay. I, I was. I was. I was giving you that. Um, that uh, the non-yellow card for Sanchez, the post-match yellow card that he picked up. Yeah, second post-match yellow card I can remember in my fantasy career. I had also received a yellow card for Leroy Sané mm. many seasons back for a post-match wow. yellow card. Good memory. Always a great finger in the eye. And I will, <laughs> I will say, like, the, the narrative around Sanchez is, is a mixed bag. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we'll get to that keeper talk as you suggested. I thought Sanchez had a phenomenal game against Crystal Palace. His passing was on point. He released two attacks, just like Ed Ederson style from yeah. from uh, his box, uh, and he made a couple of tricky saves. Made the, a great save on Zaha in a, in a play that should have been his third save, Josh. But Zaha was of course offside. Mm. Um, and I think that I think the BPS for Sanchez showed the quality that he can have when a match kind of goes his way. But of course, despite all of his best efforts, he again finishes on on two yeah. points. So it's just like tough break after tough break for yeah. uh, Brighton players. But I think it is that game week where it does pan out for people who have either stuck their neck outs for uh, under the radar players like Cancelo or stuck with players like Veltman, who ends yeah. up with with an assist. The luckiest. Uh, I mean, I guess yeah. it was a great pass. I shouldn't call it lucky, but it's just crazy. I mean, with it, literally seconds you know, to go until that match is over. Yeah, that, that's the stuff that fantasy dreams are, are made of there. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I got a zero from Luke Shaw. My defense was just a, kind of a, a bit of a mess with Sanchez, Alexander-Arnold on one point, fall on two. Captain the wrong player. You and I both went for Ronaldo, and uh, the vice was on Salah, who just like continues to score like yep. the machine that he is. Yeah. Um, ben Rama, just like Ben Rama. This is the the season of cheeky Ben Rama, yep. and uh, he he cheekifies himself into a bonus point uh, with with no actual FPL returns, and it. You know, did we overthink game week six in the captaincy? We all talked about how imperative it was to get Mikel Antonio in, but precious few of us captained Antonio, and he finishes with the most points out of the triumvirate of Sala, Ronaldo, and Antonio. And even on last week's pod, didn't I say something like, it's impossible for him not to score? I mean, you know, when he finally did score at the end of the Leeds match, that, that comment came back to me again, and I was like, if you know, like this is just a, a good, maybe I'm just going to try to take this approach moving forward, which is that if there is a player in your squad and it is impossible for them not to score, like there's just no chance that they don't score a, mat, a goal in that match, 
that should just be the player you captain because I can certainly conceive of a situation where Ronaldo didn't score in that in that Villa match, right? Uh, but um, Antonio, it just it was inevitable. He was like, uh, you know, like Thanos. It was just there was just no there was no stopping a uh, Antonio yeah. goal in that match. So yeah, so you were on forty one. Uh, I was on forty nine, which you know not much better. I mean, honestly, it was just the Sar goal that, that made the difference uh, between our two scores. And um, yeah, I mean, I just kind of. Yeah, I, I mean, it's like I don't even really know what to what to say about this. We got a Sargol, Gray, Antonio. I mean, I, it was like all of the. It was one of those game weeks where it was like a real like like I was like covered defensively, like not not in terms of my actual defenders, but just like I had Antonio who scored, I had Salah who scored, I had Sar who scored. It was like I didn't really have like none of my like kind of low ownership starters outside of Sar, I suppose, really did anything this week. Um, and so it was just it was just like a match where I just didn't lose any ground. Um, which I guess sometimes that's just how it's got to be in fantasy. You just sort of play defense and hope your rank doesn't fall too much. And that, you know, the next week you come back and, and have a little more luck. Um, and so, um, yeah, that's, you know, so I, I'm sort of like, it's like one of those game weeks, you know, there's a question here from Andrew who said, uh, when the game week is bad for pretty much everyone, you know, the current average is a paltry 38 points. Uh, should we just dismiss it? Or are there still big lessons we can learn from it? And I, I think, you know, the, I guess the average did get up to 43 in the end, but um, I think you can just dismiss it, honestly. I think some, you know, I was thinking about, um, you know, I, I try to have a theme for every podcast that we do, Brian. And, uh, you know, one of the themes that I that I want to do, uh, maybe we'll do it during the international break next week, is, you know, what is the story of the season so far? This is something that you and I have talked about a lot, which is, you know, mm-hmm. what is the season telling us so far? And often mm-hmm. it's something like, Chelsea can defend Leeds can, you know, it's like, it's like really basic stuff. Like what are five basic things that the season is telling you so far? And often, um, you know, if you just hold those ideas in your head, um, that can be really useful for fantasy and it just sort of helps you to like, you know, it just can just guide your decisions a little bit. You know, if you're debating yeah. between two, two players, well, it's like, what is the season telling you? It's telling you that Chelsea plays good defense. Go for the, the Chelsea defender. And just more, more to Andrew's question about the Peltry, 38 points. I think both of us have mispronounced that word already in this episode, but um, (laughs) the average for this game week is 43. And there is in each season, always a game week in which you watch all the matches and you just can't conceive of how you ever score fantasy (laughs) points. Like the thing that makes football so interesting is how bloody difficult it is to score a goal. That's why it's so amazing when, when it happens. And I will tell you this uh, game week, points average of 43 is actually not nearly as bad as it can get. Uh, And, and, and you see players like Sala and Antonio with really high ownerships. There's a return that everyone can kind of uh, count on. The week really wasn't that bad. I think the story we've, we've actually been told so far this season is there have been lots of goals and lots of predictable clean sheets points Point average points for each game week have been incredibly high, abnormally high all season. So yeah. this week is a comeback down to earth week for most managers. And I think it it you can't consider it a bad week. I think it's just a week to sort of reestablish, okay, this is FPL. Uh, we can't we can't count on getting upwards of 70, 80, 90 points every week. So I, I just think this is a, a normal week, one that just level sets. 
Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's reasonable. I mean, yeah, you know, it's funny. We've already had a couple of game weeks this season where I mean, I had 101 points in game week one, right? So yeah, I think you're right. I mean, 40 well, I had 106. So you know, well, uh, <laughs> thanks for bragging about that one. <laughs> so I mean, 49 is uh, maybe a little level, like you said. It's you know, or 43, I guess, being the average. That's about four points per player. So uh, not not terrible, but but again. Um, and I guess the, the reason I brought up the whole story of the season thing is I felt like this was a game week that kind of undermined some of those stories. Um, Ronaldo being, you know, Man United being held scoreless, uh, Chelsea conceding. Um, you know, I don't know. And like, are just things that feel like they're still a little up in the air? I mean, Diogo Jota, like, you know, the way we talk about him, you'd think he was this, you know, hugely disappointing player. And obviously he's, he is missing chances and, and, you know, you'd like to, like he to missed a up. chance. Keep it. Yeah. Well, you know, I think, I mean, yeah, I mean the Raya thing, it depends on whether you consider that a, a, a chance missed or not. I mean, Raya made a great save, but you know, uh, he still had basically an open goal there and, uh, uh, it ended up in Raya's, you know, off rough Raya's palm. So, you know, Jota has three goals in, in six matches though. Right. I mean, so it's, you know, he's scored in every other match, uh, so far in the season. So it's not like, you, you know, you can't call him like one of the great disappointments of the season, certainly, but, um, but I don't really know what to call him. Right. I mean, I, I kind of feel like I could move him out tomorrow or like next, you know, like in, ahead of game week seven. And I wouldn't really miss him that much. And it's just a strange, you know, so, so it feels like we're still kind of waiting for a little more clarity on some of these teams. Um, right. you know, a little more, a little more, like, you know, like you said, I mean, Sala, Antonio, those guys are gold and you know, but these sort of like, you know, and I guess this is just like how a season unfolds, right? You just sort of, you just keep tinkering at the margins. You just keep trying to find players who you can actually trust. And I don't think I, I don't know. What do you think about Shota at this point? I think the he is performing to a T to his price, 7.5. And as you mentioned, three goals. That's a phenomenal rate of return for a midfielder at that price. The problem is that he plays for Liverpool, and Liverpool generate more chances than your typical team that carries 7.5 midfielders. So the expectation just based on that, just based on him being a Liverpool asset, uh, is increased. Um and and he's a he's a fixture in the starting eleven. So if you were to compare him to somebody like Gundogan or Phil Foden from last season's Man City, where both of those players went through hot streaks, where you thought, oh, here is a, an undervalued asset on a really great team, I'm going to take a flyer on them. And whatever whatever you got from Gundogan or Foden in those moments last season felt good, and it felt like you. Uh, were a part of uh, sort of a special group of managers who, who called that. Um, and I think that is because City is known for rotation, because those players weren't necessarily mortal locks on right. FPL points. Jota comes into the season feeling like he's on the verge of starting every single game for Liverpool in the Premier League. Now all this anxiety creeps in because you're thinking, well, is he really a lock? Firmino is going to play every time they play a big six team. How what can I read into him missing this big chance or or that big chance? So I I, I think that the anxiety around Jota is more to do with uh, you just kind of selfishly wanting a bit is like selfishly slash justifiably uh, wanting more for him. And I think what I'm not clear on is how selfish versus how justified it is what we expect from Jota. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, you know, whether, you know, I don't know if selfish is the word or if it's just that I feel like, um, you know, it's a little bit like Danny Ings where, uh, you know, as we picked up two goals from Danny Ings early on in the season and it was like, all right, 
this is great. We got to get off this thing right away. Right. And, and it proved to be true. Basically, you, you really didn't want Danny Yang's after after those first two weeks. And he was kind of lucky to get returns what he did. And so Jota sort of benefited from Firmino being out for a couple of weeks. And and I, I you know, but again, they you know, they play Man City at home in game week seven. And it's just like I I just feel like I, I really don't know what I'm going to get from him. It's like, I, yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. So it's just a uh, tricky one. Yeah. I, the, the, the city fixture really is going to seal the deal for many, perhaps myself included. I, I think that's just really not a great fixture by virtue of Firmino being healthy again. And Jota, uh, Liverpool, I don't know, just, just what we've seen over the last six weeks, uh, Jota's going to plummet in value over the yeah. next few days. Yeah, I think I think that's very very possible, and, so, and certainly as people talk about game week seven and game week eight, wild. Although I mean, a wild card doesn't necessarily. Um, you usually they I mean that, that shouldn't affect your pr- the price, but I, I think you're right. I think we will see a sell off over the next couple of weeks. Um, because I don't know. Well, we'll see. Maybe he you know maybe he finally uh, gets that that long awaited brace, Brandon, uh, home to Man City. Doesn't seem very likely, but it's possible. So anyway, we'll talk more about overlooked players, possible Jota replacements, possible Greenwood replacements as well. Uh, in just a second here, um, Super League top ten. Uh, let's read that off real quick. Uh, in tenth, we've got Prashant Garg. In eighth, tied for eighth, is Deborsi Hazarika uh, and Johnny Harrington. In seventh is Shane Butler. In sixth is John Lee. In fifth is Darnell Osai. In fourth, Bogdan Verbika. In third, Ryan Mackey. In second, Daniel Mason Abraham. And in first, Ryan Quinn, who is also number 17 overall. So, the great start for Ryan Quinn continues. It's been a roller coaster for Ryan. I think a couple of weeks ago, he's number four overall in the world. Then he drops to like in, in the forties. <laughs> what a disappointment that must have mm-hmm. been. And now up to 17. Like Ryan, do yourself a favor. Go to your, your GP, get some blood pressure medication. I have a feeling <laughs> like this is going to be a long but thrilling season for you. Yeah, that's true. It'd be so str- Yeah, it would be thrilling but incredibly stressful to be to be that high this early in the season. You know, it's like you sort of it's like I can't even imagine in my head doing this well this early. Right. Yeah. It's like I could sort of see an arc where like maybe I sneak into the top thousand in game week 30 or something like that. You know, but to do it this early, it feels like you'd have to be you'd be just fending people off all year. It feels, you know, some pressure. At the start of the pod, Josh, you mentioned that you and our friends play poker on PokerNow.club. And uh, you you had a big night one night playing Poker Now, and you decided, I, I'm going to take these winnings uh, mm-hmm. on behalf of the entire group and go contribute to the PokerNow.club Patreon page. That's you right. felt you just felt like this is a great service. I'm going to give back. I felt guilty about how much money I'd won, to be quite honest, but it was a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what, if you got anything in return uh, from the Poker uh, Club Patreon, but if you're an always cheating listener and you get something out of this podcast, this free podcast week on a week, and you want to say thanks to me and Josh, you want to support the cheaters, visit us. Visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash always cheating. Becoming a Patreon member, you get an extra podcast ad-free each week usually Thursday nights, really close to that uh, weekend deadline. And it's going to be important this week, Josh, because we've got Champions League action happening right. midweek, and we'll address that on our Patreon podcast. Also, our Manager of the Month, month Dean's List uh, Award, which, of course, we're closing up September now, so we'll be unveiling who the newest Dean's List member is of our Patreon members, our private Slack check, week in review newsletter from Mini League Mate, and everyone at our top tiers the volkswagen and producer patrons get our free custom-made make fantasy fun again t-shirt 
our new Patreons this week. Big thanks at the Lord Sorloth tier to Jeremy Duxbury, David Muidrag, and Gil Gulson. And at the Pookie tier, thank you to Jan Eric Carlson and Ube. Uh, again, that is patreon.com slash always cheating. All right, Brian, let's take a quick break. We'll get back and we're going to talk about overlooked players and approaching them with a blank slate. All right, it's something for both of us to work on. See you in a second. All right, Brandon, we're back. Blank slate. The FPL assets we haven't been talking about. All right, we're going to move uh, from front to back here. Okay, so we're talking about forwards, midfielders, defenders, goalkeepers. Uh, first one is, and this is one that I, I feel like when I got these questions, I was like a little rocked because I was like, wait, five goals and one assist on the season? Who are they? Who are, is, this, is this for real? Uh, and uh, Dang says, remind me, why aren't we talking about Jamie Vardy? Uh, great fixtures and only 12% owned. And then James in Uganda said, with Lester being pretty rubbish and Jamie Vardy still being the second highest scoring forward in the game. Yeah. I'll repeat that, Brendan, the second highest scoring forward in the game. <laughs> uh, how many more seasons will we keep writing him off as too old or slowing down with him returning 180 plus points? Surely if Lester improve, which is certainly possible and likely, he can at least sustain this output. Yeah. So what do you think, Vardy? What, what are we, would you consider him? Uh, I, I, yeah, certainly given the evidence, you have to at least consider him. But, you know, his I think Vardy's flaws continue to be the same and his flaws are not that he is old or we have this this idea that we need to predict his downfall before it actually happens. But his flaw is that uh, his price is not matching the, you know, we were talking, just talking about this with Diogo Jota. Like we, we're still kind of unsettled on what level of consistency we're, we're owed or should expect from him. We just don't know. And Vardy, I, I think he is, you know, despite this start, what we saw the last couple of seasons is Vardy has, has purple patches. Now he is a purple patch player and uh, the price just doesn't match. Like uh, the, one of the one of the, there are two legends of purple patchedness in the last decade, and that's mm-hmm. Aaron Ramsey and Yaya Torre. And when they both did that, they were sub ten million FPL assets. And there is a moment where you jump on them. And Vardy is a player where he is going to score five goals in six matches, and then I'm going to expect him to go quiet. For a while, that's just what what I've seen from Vardy the last couple of seasons. And when you're priced at whether it's ten million, ten point five, he's he's at ten point four right now. There is a there is a budget issue that you know you're 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 putting yourself in a situation where you're making budget decisions elsewhere in your team that you're less comfortable with. And the fact that we've got premium strikers in Ronaldo and Lukaku that yeah and. and and certainly you compare Vardy to Ronaldo and he's delivering. You compare Vardy to Lukaku and uh outperforming him. Yeah, yeah. Then and, and that that can't be argued. But uh, you know, there is this uh, there is this part of being an FPL manager where you need to be less in the business of uh seeing what happened last week and more in the business of trying to uh predict future outcomes. So you know, price on top of man. I mean, I don't, I don't know that it can be overstated how poor Lester has been to start the season. And now, you know, please, please, please stop my rambling here, Josh. But where, where, 
where does it get to where if if Vardy were doing this for like a or if if there was a striker on Watford that had scored mm-hmm. five goals in six matches, if Emmanuel Denny's had done this, right. I, I really don't I really don't know who to compare Vardy to just because of this ten point four price tag, which is really messing everybody up. So what yeah. this what what would you suggest to get him in? You're 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 dropping you're dropping well, Ronaldo. Okay. Well. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I mean, I mean, you know, it's, I mean, it's interesting because, uh, I mean, I'm in a position right now where I've got uh, Bamford injured, right, and I've got um, uh, 1.1 million in the bank, right. So I've got Bamford at 7.9. I've got 1.1 million in the bank. I'm at, I'm at 9 million. So to get from Bamford to Lukaku feels extremely difficult, right? Like almost impossible. Uh, to get from not not impossible, but like I tried on a wild card and didn't like the way it looked, you know, it turned out. So. But Bamford to Vardy, I mean, that's a that's a that's a one point three million difference. Like that, that is more doable, and I think that is something that you could consider, right? You could move Bamford to to a, a Sar, let's say, and that would basically, um, or excuse me, you move Jota to Sar, and that would move uh, Bamford to someone like Vardy. I don't know. I mean, I'm not I'm not sitting here like seriously thinking about Jimmy Vardy either, because I'm kind of with you that. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's it's funny, and neither of us are giving a very good answer to this question. And I, <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's it, this should this should be stated on every single podcast. Is there is no answer for the Jamie sure. Vardy question? No, but it is interesting. I mean, and I think you know. I mean, okay, he had 15 goals and 14 assists last season, and all season long we talked about how it was kind of you know a fluky assist number, and you know we we all think he looks kind of washed up, and and yet here he is. He's got five goals in the season through the first six matches. And they haven't even looked good, right? I mean, so. Like, like, you know, like, like the original question said, I mean, they haven't looked good and he already has five goals in the season. Like how well does he look when they start playing well? Right. I mean, their, 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 their run of fixtures is totally fine. I mean, they, they have you know, the palace, Man United, Brentford, Arsenal, Leeds, I suppose Chelsea isn't a great match yeah. in game week 12. I mean, Man United at this point, I, I don't think that's considered a difficult defensive fixture, right? I mean, that's that you'd expect him to score in that match. Probably we're um, in flat track. Yeah. We're in flat track bully territory here. Look at, look at the fixtures that Lester have played and where Vardy has scored, right? Scored against wolves in game week one blank to get against West Ham. West Ham are good. Norwich. He scored and got an assist. Norwich are the worst team in the division blank against man city Man city. Very good. Right. Uh, scored against Brighton and Burnley. Uh, <laughs> Brighton, another unanswerable question. Burnley are terrible, and 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 Vardy braced against them. Right. So I, I do think that it, it really is going to come down to the fixtures for Vardy. And yeah, I, I don't, I don't truly. Well, yeah, I don't no, think okay. I, I don't think yeah. I like these fixtures think, for th- for Vardy coming up. Yeah, Crystal think, Palace away. Yeah. I mean, we saw Brighton struggle against them. Yeah. Uh, and 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 Brentford away too. Brighton or uh, Brentford have been a, a solid team throughout their spine. Right. I think you're getting at something though, which is which is kind of the the case with Lukaku too. I mean, for all the the talk about how Lukaku is not the Lukaku that we saw, you know, three years ago or whatever. Based on the evidence, he he still is at least in the Premier League, right? I mean, Lukaku has a reputation as being something of a of a flat track bully, and whether you think that's Deserved or not, he tends to be a player who scores in, in difficult fixtures and, and blanks in the bad ones. And you look at what he's done so far this season. He's played five matches for Chelsea. Uh, he's scored at Arsenal, and he scored home to Aston Villa. And he's blanked when they played Liverpool and away at Spurs and, away, and, and home to Van City, right? So the, the two relatively easy fixtures he scored, the two tough ones he's blanked, kind of appears to be true with Vardy as well. So <laughs> the story is really just that I consider Vardy and Lukaku both to be very high-quality strikers. And... I would, you know, um, 
I would seriously consider either one of them for a very good run. Lukaku's run is incredible, right? Beginning in game week seven and, and, and through to game week 11. So I guess, you know, to spin it around in a way that maybe is more relevant to some people, most people aren't in a position where they're replacing Bamford, they're in a position where they're about to wildcard, right? And maybe they think of Vardy as an alternative to Lukaku. And so I think I'm with you that I would just stretch my budget even further and just get Lukaku. I think the interesting wrinkle on this is whether we think that Ronaldo is fixture proof, right? Whether we think, sure, he's 36, but he mm-hmm. also has, what, four goals in his first three matches or something like that for, for mm-hmm. Man United. Um, you know, I mean, do we think that – it's still hard for me to imagine that I'm going to be able to drop Ronaldo, you know, for – and certainly you can't have Vardy, Vardy Lukaku, and, uh, and, and Ronaldo. That seems – practically impossible unless you just dropped Mosala or something like that. Yep. So, so I, I think I like Vardy. If it really makes your team work, I think it's fine. I wouldn't be hugely enthusiastic about it, but I also, I don't know. I mean, we saw with, with, with St. Maximin who just kind of keeps rolling right now, if I, you know, to bring another overlook forward into this, uh, Neil Mape is, I'm not, I'm not comparing Neil Mape to, to Vardy by any means, but Neil Mape is 4 million cheaper. Right. And it's just has just one fewer goal than Vardy in the season so far. Nobody is talking about this guy. Right. <laughs> you could very easily have Neil Mape in three Chelsea defenders. Right. Yeah. Like you could just do that. That would be something that, that you, could, you could pull off very easily. Uh, and then you'd probably be able to, you know, survive Tuchel roulette. I mean, if you have three Chelsea defenders, you're never going to get all three of them to start the same weekend. Probably you probably get two of them to do it. I've never been a huge fan of Neil Pape, Neil Pape, Neil Mape until his post-match interview on Sky Sports with Gary Neville and Thierry Henry. And they asked, they asked Neil, listen, if you, if you guys would have beat Palace tonight, you would have, would have been top of the table. Is that something you think about? Is that disappointing to you? And Mape comes out and says, of course it's disappointing. You know, we're, we're Brentford. We expect to be at the top of the table and, uh, right. to to be in first place at this point of the season. And then he laughs and he's like, "Of course, I'm joking. Like we're Brighton. We need, we are realistic. We're we're not going to be there at the end of the season." And he was he was totally delightful. And he was he was starstruck talking to Thierry Henry as a Frenchman. I guess he never yeah. never met him or spoke to him before. So anyway, Neil Mape rose in my estimation uh, in in that Sky Sports interview. Yeah, so so Neil Pop. God, why do I want to call him Neil Pape? Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like there are there are three other strikers that I want to talk about. The first okay. is, is Ivan Tony, and Ivan Tony was talked about probably too much uh, before the season started. And mm-hmm. he's and because everyone sort of went in on Tony at the start of the season, and it's been a bit of a slow start for him. He's down from six point five to six point three. But I do feel like the gear, like he's he's shifting into gear here. Yeah. And he's more and more involved each match week. And did you know he, he's created the most big chances of any player this season? I did not know that. Uh yeah, but I just saw that, that today. That's that's an incredible stat. And I think there is still a lot to love and to recommend about Tony. And then I think the the flip side of that, as our friend Chuck Booth knows all too well, is St. Maximin, uh, who's a little more expensive at 6.8. It's got two goals and three assists and is really the only way in which Newcastle can produce a goal. So between Tony and St. Maximin, Josh, are you feeling like, sure, those guys are players that we're not talking enough about, but it's going to be hard to sell them to you? Well, I mean, St. Max definitely passes the fun test. Like, I would like to have him on my team because it would be fun to watch a match with him in my squad and just root for him the whole time because he is just so wild. Like, I don't know. Like, it's like a, 
you only really get this in the bottom half of the table team, right? Rafinha does this a little bit too, where you're just like, this guy's allowed to do anything he wants. Including pitch, right? wearing a crazy headband. Like, is there not a regulation about wearing any sort of headgear that I you guess, want? I guess, yeah, as long as he doesn't have like a like a slogan on it or something. It's Why like isn't Jim, everyone Jim wearing from the 85 <laughs> yeah. Chicago Bears? Yeah, He should weird... wear like the Karate Kid headband. I think that would be pretty awesome. So I, I love him. And I think it's one of those, uh, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, we talked about Palace earlier. And I think that they've quite surprisingly, in my opinion, uh, turned out to be a little more stout under, under VR than I was expecting. And I think it's a case where... The fixture ticker maybe um, paints a picture of their fixtures being a little easier than they actually are. Uh, away to Wolves in game week seven. I think that's going to be a pretty tricky one for them. Home to Spurs in game week eight. I don't know what we've got with Spurs at this point. I, I genuinely don't. I mean, I, I don't think we've got a very good team on our hands. They've been outscored nine to one in the last three. I mean, they were looking so good before Kane j- came back. Like, do his team, are his teammates just annoyed with him? I don't really know. It's like he brought some bad energy or something, right? They were top of the table before he started playing yeah, I I don't know. I think that the real Spurs is kind of emerging, and that I don't. And that's not me trying to dunk on Spurs. I just think this is kind of what we expected this season from them, and that it was going to be rough to yeah. bed in a new manager uh, who is definitely like, you know, we we love Nuno on this podcast, but he is sure. definitely taking it up a notch here. And Spurs is used to having, uh, I think, just like uh, a more experienced manager at the top level. Coming in, and he has a squad that is very much in transition. You talk about the the result of that North London derby. It, I think what was the interesting realization coming out of it is, oh, okay, yeah, Arsenal are now like a two seasons into their rebuild, and they're better for it. And Spurs kind of haven't accepted that they're in the midst of a rebuild at this yeah. point, And they're a bit at sea because of that. And there is a rebuild coming. So I, I mean, I don't know if it's as much a problem with Kane as this is just where Spurs uh, were likeliest to be. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And then, you know, betting on a lot of young, youngish new players as well. I mean, it honestly really makes an argument for them just having sold Kane over the summer, right? Like just lean into the, Lean into the transition, but yeah, well, and we'll talk about more about Arsenal in a second. Um, the other player, the other overlooked forward, I want to just toss in here, and somebody that I, you know, considered a couple weeks ago to the point where I brought him on my team because I, I do think he's undervalued. Um, although it's kind of it was a funny thing where there are times when I do things on my own team that I, I wouldn't advise anybody to do, right? <laughs> and so I don't really talk about the podcast too much because I'm like, I don't want you to listen to this and then think it's smart to bring in Gabriel Jesus for for a short term punt. Uh, because it usually isn't. But I, I wonder now, I mean, he scored away to Chelsea. Um, I believe he started, is it every match but one so far in the season? Yeah, only game week one did he not start um, in the season. He's got two goals and three assists, which is, you know, just just okay returns. Um, but he does have eight bonus points on the season as well. He's pretty locked in now to that kind of somewhere between a right winger and a, and a, and a forward on that squad and, you know, playing really creatively. It's only 8.6 million. And I, I think I would trust him more than, than Jack Grealish, for example, who's, you know, who's at a similar price. So are we actually overlooking Gabriel Jesus and is he really an option to consider in fantasy? Yeah. Hmm. Maybe <laughs> would be my <laughs> answer to that. Uh, I, I don't know. I wonder about Manchester City is, is like a big question every week in fantasy because they're like the rare excellent team 
where you never know which way to go fantasy wise because yeah. they they share the 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 attacking points and yeah. um, defense is kind of where we landed last season. Ferran Torres is seemingly over at this point, and so I feel like it's going to be a hard sell to a lot of managers out there to say, "Okay, you've now got to move all of your space bucks from Ferran Torres to Gabriel Jesus." Cool, go do it. Yeah. Uh, but that honestly is how you become the elite fantasy manager who you want to be is you have to have the sort of like the conviction to say, okay, this particular asset in the same team and the same setup is done. Now here is the asset who I'm, I'm going to pick up. So I think there's a, a definite case to be made for Jesus. I, I, I think the case against him is, can I pick up those points elsewhere, namely Ruben Diaz or or Ederson? And maybe we can talk a little bit about more about Ederson when we get to our GK section. Yeah. And obviously, Jesus is, is not a super fun player to talk about right now when they're about to play Liverpool away. But after that, Burnley, Brighton, Palace are their next three. And I mean, you know, at some point we, we probably it would be nice to have a Man City player. They certainly are capable of scoring <laughs> lots of goals. Yeah, uh, they've you know, they've, they've, they've not, you know, they're kind of shocking, although maybe, you know, it's actually interesting. This is a little off topic for a second, but, you know, I worry a little bit about um, Man United and, and Ronaldo on, on Saturday because Man United do play the the late match on Wednesday and then they play the first match on Saturday, which is mm-hmm. kind of, you know, what happened with um with uh with man city i guess they didn't play the earliest match they played early on saturday um i guess it was you know that was that is say the three p.m's uh, right in the UK. and you're talking about when they drew with southampton and that yeah. was uh, at the etihad no less so it was an yeah. unexpected result yeah and man united are basically um in a kind of a bit of a must-win situation having uh dropped you know all three points away to young young boys so yep. uh it does make me a little worried just because we did see this with a team of man city's caliber and man united squad isn't even as deep as that so i think there could be a little bit of concern there about what's gonna what's gonna happen but you know let, let's we'll wait until our game week seven section we're gonna tell you that at the end of the pod so we'll we can talk a little more about captain picks there but yeah i think uh jesus is um i don't know i think if he I was impressed that he scored away to, to Chelsea. I'll say that much. And I thought um, maybe I was, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I was in a, I was in an interesting spot this last week where I, I ended up, I dropped Jesus. I had him for one week and then I, where he blanked at home to Southampton. And then I dropped him because he was about to play Chelsea and Man City away, or Chelsea and Liverpool away. And I was like, well, I don't really want him for that. And of course, in the first match, he uh, bags the the game winning goal and, and two bonus points. Uh, and now, I mean, Liverpool's defense is, I don't know. I mean, they just conceded three goals to Brighton and it's a, it's a little bit Brentford. Worry, uh, to Brentford. You know, what's funny. You said Brent Brentford earlier about Brighton and now I've said Brighton. <laughs> Brentford, so I guess it's just the BR. It all yeah. evens out. <laughs> it all evens out. So, um, yeah, I mean, conceding three goals to Brentford and, and Trent apparently didn't travel for the champions league match. So he might be a little bit of a doubt this weekend. So I don't know, maybe, maybe, I don't know. I'm not, I'm, I, I, I don't know if Bamford is truly out. I wonder if I just go back to Jesus, Brandon. Wow. Like, would that be hilarious? That'll <laughs> never happen, <laughs> listeners. That just won't happen. <laughs> I don't think so either. But, I mean, when you look ahead, I mean, we're talking about overlooked forwards here. I mean, I I, I can't move in Vardy without a hit. Um, I mean, who else would I consider? Burnley? I'm not, I I mean, I guess I could look at Chris Wood. Ugh. Can you imagine though? Just the I just I, I don't know. We talked about Chris Wood a lot in the offseason. He is he is like uh, the player that we tried to be generous about. 
but now I'm, I'm, I'm still not quite feeling that one. And I don't know. It's a tricky one. It, it feels like a great week. Uh, we never advocate for the three, five, two, and it feels yeah. like the perfect week to just go with two strikers. And if you've got a problem child, like don't, don't end up bringing in Chris Wood yeah. uh, to solve that issue. And then find yourself weeks later having Chris Wood, just just play two two strikers if yeah. you feel that if you feel yeah. you need to. And they play and they play Man City away in game week game week eight. So if, and you know if you knew if you absolutely one hundred percent knew you're going to wild card in game week eight, you could consider Chris Wood. I think otherwise I, I wouldn't really strongly. He only has one goal in the season so far. And Burnley just just really do look uh, look pretty pretty dreadful. I have to say. All right, let's move on to we spent more time in that forward section than I was expecting, Brad. So let's move on to midfielders here. Uh, just just two that I want to talk about. I mean a lot of the the. The Sars and the the Greenwoods and the Jodas have been talked about a lot. I mean, we talked about Jodas for ten minutes already in this podcast. Uh, but Michael says, could Arsenal players like ESR, Milo Smith Rowe, be good differentials moving forward? What do you think? Possibly. You know, I th- I think coming off of that result against Spurs and Spurs just looked completely abject in that North London derby. Uh, I feel like you need to pump the brakes a little bit. You know, you go from after game week three thinking Arteta is going to lose his job and this Arsenal rebuild is, is was over before it began to, wow, here they go with their top four challenge. And yeah, yeah. I grant you, Emil Smith Rowe looked fantastic. I mean, he outshined uh, Odegaard who we were trying to big up a couple of weeks ago. There you go. Uh, so I, 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 I guess the, the best way to approach the ESR question is, the opposite of what I was saying about Vardy, the great appeal about Emil Smith-Rowe is the stakes are so low in yeah. your fantasy squad. His price is so cheap and his form, you know, it, it's it's worth the gamble to see if he, both he and Arsenal can continue that form. And I'll tell you, if somebody asked me, who do you want? If Arsenal truly are going to kick on from that North London Derby result, who are you going to take? Are you going to take Tierney? Emile Smith-Rowe or Aubameyang? Emile Smith-Rowe. Or are you going to take anybody in that Arsenal squad, I guess? Yeah. Emile Smith-Rowe is the one guy who I would take. I just love how central he is compared to a player like Saka, who also looked really good that yeah. match. So, you know. going back I, a little deeper, yeah. right? Yeah. He was kind of picking up the ball at times. Bringing right. It up. So, yeah, I, I have good things to say about Emile Smith-Rowe, but I... Yeah. I I do. I'm not quite. Sh- I'm not quite convinced that Arsenal are just going to roll on after that result. Yeah, his price is great. I mean, at 5.3 million, if you were looking for a Ronaldo Lukaku double up enabler, I think that he is. He's he's your boy, right? I mean, at 5.3 million, like I said, is the, the the beauty of that price is you don't have to play him every week, right? If you want to go with like a a four or five at the back, I think that you could quite easily bench him and sometimes it's hard you know the more the more expensive a player is the harder it is to get away with benching them right you just sort of you feel like you're like you've sunk so much money in you know you just don't want to you don't want to you don't want to throw him in the bench but i think if you if you if you had a couple of um let's say you had two let's say you have trent two chelsea defenders and Cancelo, right well, that's a very expensive team but that is a team that you could conceivably have in a wild card if you didn't double up on ronaldo and lukaku if you did that then a smith row might be like a nice fourth um fourth midfielder, right. Who you could just sort of play occasionally, right. And play like more like a four, three, three type lineup. So, um, yeah, I think that I, I agree with you. I think he's the pick of the litter. I mean, Odegaard, I, I'm not, um, like totally, 
I'm, I'm, you know, feeling good about him as well. Um, it just wasn't, you know, wasn't his, it, it was the Saka Emil Smith row day for sure. So, um, but I think it's just exciting that we have these Arsenal players, um, you know, they looked so good in that first half. It was, I mean, the second half was, was whatever, but at, at that point it was sort of like the strategy was, you know, we're up three nil. If we just kick the ball around for 45 minutes and give them some possession, we basically can't lose this match. Uh, and that turned out to be true. Right. I mean, uh, Spurs scored a, uh, you know, a, a concession, you know, they scored one goal in the, the 80th minute or something like that. But I don't think anyone realistically thought that goal, that match was, was ever close. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about, about that Arsenal defense in general. I mean, I, I mean the, the entire Arsenal team, I thought, uh, I thought Ben White actually played a pretty good match too. And, um, you know, maybe a little unlucky not to get the clean sheet um, at the end of that one. But. Uh, or, or lucky to not give away a penalty against Kane. <laughs> right. That's true. Uh, did you think that was a pen? I I, I don't know. I felt like uh, Kane went down pretty easily there, but I'm not feeling great about Kane at the moment. Yeah, so. I, I was not as shocked as a lot of people seem to be that that was not overturned by VAR. So, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm generally with you. All right. Uh, and then what about Decore? A lot of talk about uh, about Damari Gray, justifiably so. Um, he's basically been playing, you know, super advanced, even more so maybe with um, with the forwards out right now for Everton. But is Decore, I don't know. And it, part of me is like, if I did it over again, I you know, my wild card a couple weeks ago, I think I would have gone Decore. He's just so reliable, right? Like that guy's not moving from that squad all season. He's played 90 minutes, all six matches, but... At the risk of like sounding like a super conservative manager, you've got returns against Southampton, Leeds, Burnley, and Norwich. Um, the fixtures have been a dream for a player like Decore. Uh, what what's going on with this Everton uh, team when they play a, a really difficult fixture, which they really haven't faced so far this season? The other two teams I didn't mention there were. Brighton and, and Aston Villa, who have been good but mercurial. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. I I I I would still go with Gray because Gray's playing farther forward, and right. you know, his his results have been uh, reliable. He yeah. just is, hasn't scored the goals that Decore has, and you. Yeah. I mean, he's he's point two cheaper. So I I would take the player that's a little farther forward. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right there. I think um, I think Gray. I don't know. I just I think that Decore is a little. Um, he's worth considering. Like Decore versus Emil Smith Rowe, for example, is is kind of an interesting conversation. I mean, I, I mean, maybe at that point you just you just spend a little more for Gray because I guess if it was Gray versus Decore versus Emil Smith Rowe, I think I would still go with Gray. But you know, again, if you're if you're looking at a Lukaku Ronaldo double up, then you're going to need to find as much money as possible the rest of your team. And I, I don't I don't see a big difference between any of those three. So just throw that out there. I'll throw one player out there and it's Wilfred Zaha. I think he's, you know, he, there's nothing new about Zaha this season. I think what's new about Zaha is Crystal Palace. And I think I was kind of skeptical about what Vieira was going to bring to Palace. And I, I see it's working. I think it is working. And Zaha has only produced two goals so far on the season. I think it is. Yeah. Two goals, one assist. I think there's more to come. I mean, Zaha has that problem I was mentioning that that Vardy has where it's going to come in fits and then you're going to have to you're, you're going to come to a point where you have to decide whether to hang on to him or not. But I am Zaha is on my watch list for sure. And at 6.9 yeah. gone down a little bit in value. I think he could represent a good value uh, for a free hit wild card uh, in the near future. I think it's kind of cool now that if he wins a pen, he takes the pen. That's, yeah, that, that's a change. even with <laughs> Millie on the pitch. Uh, I so, saw that. I'm shocked I mean, that Millie didn't, didn't take that. 
it's it's a wild lineup that I mean, you look at what Nuno has a similar issue where he's got old players and new players and Vieira seems to be finding more cohesion with that sort of setup. You got some really you know, bad old players like Ward and uh, and MacArthur and Milivojevic yeah. who are just clinging on to that starting some 11 bruisers. squad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, but they're still able to work within some of the, the newer players and, be, and better players. So I, I like what I see, Josh. Yeah, speaking of bruisers, Thomas Partey finally having a good match. That was that was, that was was an interesting wrinkle. I was like, was, you, could, you could kind of see, like, everything. I, I don't know. I, I haven't felt this. I mean, I, okay, I know, like, they just won the North London Derby, and, and so, like, you know, it's just, it's just one match, but it, it's encouraging. They won, they've won three in a row. They've only conceded one goal over those three matches, no matter who they're playing. I think that's encouraging. And and you can sort of see how, you know, and I thought uh, Tomiyasu played well too, right? And so you can mm-hmm. sort of see Kearney, Gabriel, Ben White, Tomiyasu, uh, Party, you know, moving further forward. I mean, you know, you still had um, Jaka doing his doing his thing, but that's, <laughs> that's just, you know, death and taxes. But, yeah. you know, you could, and then like a young midfield of kind of exciting, interesting players like, I, I don't know. There, there's something there's something to like there. And uh, it's just amazing how different I feel about them than I did three weeks ago. And uh, it just goes to show that you should never take a um, an away match at Man City as any kind of indicator of where a team is. Right. Because even even pretty decent teams are just going to get, you know, clobbered there outside of Southampton, of course, the mighty Southampton. The mighty Hoodle. You know, <laughs> he cries when he wants, Josh. Yeah. All right. Uh, a couple more questions. Uh, four to be specific. We're going to run through these quickly, though, Brandon. Uh, Lucas says, uh, what do you guys think about dropping Trent for Cancelo? Is it worth the one point four million? Listen, people, courage of your convictions and courage of uh, I don't want the theme of, of this or any podcast to be past results or the promise of future returns. But Trent is having an on believable season and we kind of just have to stick with uh the the proof that we've seen of that and you know he's been a little sick uh and i i mean liverpool i think post post glow of winning the league and the champions league uh, they're not going to be as watertight but they're still good and their defense is still great allison is one of the few keepers you'd actually want to have in your goal in in the premier league so I, no, the the case to be made here is figure out how to get both a Liverpool and a Manchester City defender, and even you know I, it's like now I suddenly find myself big going big at the back Liverpool Chelsea Manchester City though I don't really believe in big at the back, but uh, I mean the miracle of Rudiger is he's under six million. And yeah. I, I think you're getting value with Trent and with Cancelo. So those three players right there, totally reasonable to have all three. And if you feel you have to cut Trent to get to Cancelo, that I believe is a reaction to game week six, not a reaction to what is probably a justified move. Yeah, I am with you. Um, I Are you, Josh? Well, I'm sensing some hesitation. Well, it would just be, you know, I mean, uh, there's still a part of me that really would like to have Lukaku and Ronaldo. And the only way to really do it is to is to get rid of Trent. Um, and so I think that that's uh, that, that's why I'm still thinking about it. I mean, it, it just, it, you know, if, you, if you're able to do that, you can kind of make it work and still have a player like Antonio. And it's just otherwise it's, it's just very hard to pull off. And so I think that that's what's giving me a little hesitation is I could see where I could reinvest that money if I see. Cancelo as an as a Trent replacement. I mean, you know, part of it is like there are other. I don't know. The problem is what we don't have right now is that like 
that super versatile, that the, like Stuart Dallas type, right? The like the super versatile 4.5 million defender who can get you goals and assists, right? Like you sort of have you have these center backs who can get you some goal, some clean sheets, right? And you have the the um, sort of wing backs who can get you assists, but maybe don't give you the clean sheets. It's just, it's, I, I mean, is there one single player in that 4.5 million range where you feel like, yeah, I just want to start this guy every week, you know, just like roll the ball. Out. I don't even care if they can see because he's going to have, you know, an opportunity to, to score a goal in this match. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't feel like there are a lot of those right now. I, no. I was hoping that Marcel might be that player, but I, now I'm, I don't really feel that way any longer. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's pretty tricky. I think Liveramento could be that dude and he could be an even better Stuart Dallas if he can actually post some attacking points because he's yeah. uh 4.2 now he's, he's, he's sub Dallas and he had a great chance this week to, to score a goal. So I, the, the attacking returns are going to come from this guy, but I, I see your point there is that it, it's harder to, pad that back line with reliable points without spending at least five million. Um, then one defender, by the way, who, uh, you know, unfortunately because Brighton conceded the goal, he's going to get buried again, but, um, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but Mark, Mark Gahey, the, Mm -hmm. um, the palace defender, he's played really well at start of the season. Yeah. He's from the Chelsea Academy. I, I too was like watching that, uh, palace Brighton game. I was like, I need to know more about this guy. So he, he's palace and he's gone on two loans to Swansea and now finds himself, uh, at Selhurst Park. And yeah, I mean, think him and, um, and him and Anderson just look mm-hmm. like a great pairing and Goita. Okay. Let, good let, season so far. Yeah. He's having a great season, even though he probably shouldn't have come off his line for, for that Mape goal. And it was a, it's a bad pass to begin with. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot to love about the center of that yeah. palace defense. That was, just, it was a great pass though from, I, I don't, I don't, I don't give, get a too much blame for that because that was like a, yeah, you're right. He maybe didn't come out, but it was just a fluky, like he like, I mean, it did development through it, like over the entire, both, both teams basically. And then one touch and a lob from, from mopping. It, it was really nice play from both of them on, on that goal. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, quite, quite, it's kind of, it is a little telling of Goitz's, uh kick out that it landed perfectly on Veltman's foot right, and no right. palace, palace players really around him. So yeah, that's um, that, that, it's, it's a, it's certainly a combination of everything. All right. So let's end things with uh, talking about some overlooked goalkeepers here. And, you know, I was thinking a lot about um, Sanchez during the match today. And, and the, the problem is not that I, I think I rate him as a keeper and I even kind of rate, no, I don't kind of, I do, I do rate the Brighton defense. Um, I mean, there's a reason that they're, you know, doing so well at the start of the season, but my concern with him as a, as a fantasy keeper is that they're kind of in a weird spot where they're almost too good for him to be a valuable fantasy keeper. He's, he's, he's never going to have like, you know, a match like Martinez had last season where he's just going to rack up like 11 assists in a game or something like that. Have some of this kind of crazy match where 11 like, saves, of, ele- of course, yeah, 11, well, maybe 11 assists. I mean, <laughs> you know, we saw what, uh, what saw did, you know, on, on, on Sunday. No, but yeah, 11, of course, 11 saves in a match where he just kind of keeps the team in it because they're almost too solid in front of him. And so you're kind of in this weird situation where you're kind of, it's like, it feels very binary or you're either getting six points or two points from him. Yeah. And that's kind of all there. Even, even today it was like, he found a way to get to <laughs> two points somehow. Sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. The four point five category is is really kind of uh, treacherous. Mm-hmm. Raya, 
I, I, I like the trick in picking a goalkeeper for me is less about the money you spend. Like, okay, I'm a 4.5 goalkeeper manager all the way, and that's where I'm going to be. Um, to me, it's just like what what share of what particular team do you want? And that is the case I would make against Raya is why Raya and not Pinnock? Why Raya and not one of the Brentford wingbacks who have, because Brentford have proven this season to be a team where their defenders can get attacking returns. And this is kind of the, the theme of talking about defenders under the radar is we just haven't seen super cheap defenders who are pulling that together. Yeah. And I think Brentford is one of the few teams that, and Brentford is not a team that I want to be doubled up in the defense because I, you know, I just, it's going to be a rocky road for them as, as sort of solid as, as they might seem here. Yeah. So that that's the case against Raya and uh, Guaita, I think is a better fit there because I don't really see much happening in that crystal palace defense apart from clean sheets. They're going to rely on their midfield and, and their strike force to, to get the goals. So uh, Guaita is sort of like emerging as my preferred 4.5 goalkeeper. Is that, is he better than Sanchez in the long run? Yeah. I, mean, I still, well, I about- still argue that like, you know, I, I, I think you're right. Like Brighton are, are too good and they're going to, but I, they're almost too good in that they they are so good that they need to attack. They feel like they're a team, and the way the style of play for Potter is, on occasion, Brighton is going to be exposed because the whole team is sort of in, in full flow, and, and mm-hmm. they're going to give up a few goals because they're out there just, just playing football. So that that, to me, is the bigger problem with Sanchez. Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it just feels like, um, it, I don't, it has not been, you know, talk about make fantasy fun again. I, he is not a fun keeper to have in fantasy, right? Like you just never, um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, I, I think Gaita is a contender. I, I honestly wonder if Ramsdale now has to, has to, you know, come back as an option. I mean, he's a 4.5 million keeper, um, you know, very close to having three consecutive clean chips. I know those weren't against the, the top teams, but it looks like he's, He's won that spot, right? If he's starting for the North London Derby, it looks like he is. And they've spent a fair amount of money on him, too. So I, I wonder if Leno moves in January. I mean, there's just I, there's just no way. I don't care what they say, that you spend that much money on, on Ramsdale if your plan is not to move Leno at some point. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was talking to our friend Mike in Santa Fe, Josh, who is a dedicated Arsenal fan, and talking about Leno's distribution has been an Achilles heel for this team for a while. And... I mean, Ramsdale, there's a hilarious, hilarious kick out that Ramsdale had where it just kicked it straight to uh, to Hugo Lloris. It was like, cool, great distribution there. But apart from that, I did see it. You know, he was better yeah. at the short passing game, made some excellent saves. I don't think Leno gets another start in the league this season. Ramsdale's the dude. I, I don't think so either. I mean, uh, you know, he could go on a, a terrible run and lose a spot. But I mean, that's that's true of, of, of a lot of these keepers. Right. Um, I mean, the, the, the couple who aren't are the, are the ones who are, you know, very expensive. And I think um, I mean, Jose Sa, I think, is 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 definitely a player that we should consider. I mean, at five million, it, it's just kind of annoying. It's like close enough to four point five. But again, it's it, you know, the, the four point five million keeper spot is a little bit like that attacking four point five million defender spot, as you were just saying. It's like there's it's just a weird we have not found the one yet. We have not found the one who <laughs> who is who just solves a lot of other problems for us. We can just kind of forget about him. And it's just so valuable to have a four point five million defender. 
and, and keeper uh, because, you, you know, you can just sort of like you can spend that money elsewhere in your team. And right now it feels like if you want some points at your keeper, you're going to have to spend five million or more. I mean, would would you consider Ederson at, at all on your on your wild card? Like I, up to yeah. six million. That's you know, it's, a, it's an investment. It would be an investment, but I'm all about that. Like talk about I'm not game for the Brentford double up. But why would you not be game for a Chelsea double up or a Man City double up where these teams are going to keep 20 plus clean sheets this season? I if if it weren't for Ronaldo and Lukaku just really breaking the bank for us now, I think that that would be the preferred strategy is to bring in a lot of these premium clean sheets uh, and and forego the guesswork that comes with attacking points. Yeah. So I, 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 I like the Ederson move. Uh, more than Mendy, I guess, because <laughs> just like Chelsea and Tuchel are so quick to go for uh, Kepa if there's yep. the slightest niggle with Mendy. And I think that they get kind of a kick out of that that competition. Um, so yeah. Ederson or Allison are kind of interesting, Allison less so, because there are so many other desirable uh, Liverpool assets to get so Ederson emerges as the yeah. easiest premium pick. That's a good point about Ederson. I mean, you know, we were talking earlier about about how it'd be nice to have some Man City midfield or, or forward options, and I, I suppose that would be the one appeal of Ederson. You know, or, or maybe an additional appeal for Ederson is that you don't really feel like you're going to be taking a spot away from a more ex- like from a. You know, it's not like I mean, for me, like Kevin De Bruyne, for example, he's just too expensive. I it, with his injury problems the last couple of years, I just really can't imagine having him in my my team so you know but with liverpool it's like well there you know there could be a nice run there where i want to have trent sala jota right and so that just immediately takes out um takes allison out of the equation with chelsea kind of the same thing you could see having two defenders in lukaku but uh man city i don't really see myself having three midfield forward combinations so it does make them a little more appealing i think that does make sense and then, and then you were talking earlier about Brentford, right? Maybe you want to have like a Brentford defender instead. Then maybe that's the way you do it. You sort of flip it, right? There you go. Flip it. Yeah. Flip yeah. it, guys. Interesting. That's actually did. I kind of like that. I did think we that solve could, a problem you know, for for once? On <laughs> for, yeah, for you. I, I'm screwed, but that could solve a problem for you. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, on that note, let's take a quick break. We're going to get back and talk just briefly about game week seven. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy, with Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketplace platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. It's okay if you don't know much about marketing. Constant Contact's writing assistant tools and automation features help you craft messaging and say the right things at the right time. I use this to help write and send my email newsletters, and you should too. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. All right, Brandon, Game Week 7 is here. Well, it'll be here on Saturday, that is. Uh, it'll be here after two days of Champions League and a Europa League and the Europa Conference League, for that matter. Brandon. Lots of matches coming up this week. Um, so we talked earlier about Man United Everton being the early kickoff and Man United playing the late match on Wednesday. It's not like I don't think Ronaldo's going to start, but does that give you a little pause for Ronaldo as the captain pick this, this game week? One week with Ronaldo, and I already have Ronaldo fatigue. Um, but if you look at my bus team, Ronaldo has the armband. Uh, it it just he seems like the most irresistible captain. Uh, yeah. Or or you do what I was kind of advocating for with the hokey cokey. Now yeah. begins the great Chelsea run. Now mm-hmm. begins game week seven where where Chelsea are just going to steamroll and Lukaku gets to embrace his flat, flat track bully nature. Yeah. He's going to play a lot, a lot of weak opposition and he kicks things off at the bridge against Southampton. So I, I think there is a case here to just, just flip Ronaldo to Lukaku embrace, embrace it, embrace the chaos. Uh, And if, if you were to do that, then I think Lukaku is the captain for me in game week seven. But Despite that, I, I would still risk, advocate taking the risk on Ronaldo for the early kickoff, despite yeah. the Wednesday Champions League fixture. And it could be that we just can't definitively answer in this pod the Ronaldo, like the captaincy question, until we see how the Champions League plays out. Because um, I think that we could learn a lot of things from that. I mean, I think this is a week where, especially because Liverpool play Man City, which just makes for a, a difficult fixture. Um, I think that in, Antonio is is a very viable captain pick. He was last week too. And, I, you know, if I, it feels like he's one of those players where if, if Antonio were 10.5 million, we'd all be really seriously considering him as the captain this week. And there's something about him being that kind of 8 million, whatever, 7.9 million forward that's like it makes it a little harder for us to – envision him as the option right like why, why am i spending 12.5 million on ronaldo yeah. if you know right. if, I'm, if i'm not going to captain him yeah but but in, the, in this unique week where it's a it's a short turnaround time where liverpool played man city which probably makes Sal a little less appealing although i think he also would be a fine captain pick just because he's been so insanely consistent this season um and i think he'll get chances in that match um i'll throw another one out there for you um someone like marcus alonso or caesar Aspliqueta home to home Chelsea home to mm-hmm. Southampton I think that yeah. those could be really really viable picks especially it'd be great like if, if Ben Chilwell started in the Champions League for Chelsea kind of ensuring you would think I mean you never really know with Tuchel but making it very likely that that Alonso starts uh, game week two he's got he is that player that we talked about the player that we that we the, the player you covet in fantasy right like the Trent yeah. Cancelo type where he's um, you know, a, a sub, you know, in this case, he's sub 6 million. Uh, he offers a lot of attacking threat and it's, 
not, it just feels kind of hard to imagine Southampton scoring a goal at Chelsea and game game week seven. Yeah. For a little bit of context, Chelsea does play away against Juventus on Wednesday. Uh, okay. So that's tricky. Yeah. A little, a little tricky, a little tricky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Tuchel, I mean, this is, is he incentivized to prioritize the champions league match over this Southampton match where, you know, Chelsea are, are, you know, they have an opportunity to win the Premier League this season. So, yeah. you know, do, and they are reigning uh, Champions League uh, title holders. So where is the priority? So that's that's where it gets a little sticky trying to predict these lineups. So, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll certainly have a much clearer idea after Wednesday when they, they do play that fixture. Yeah, but I think, I, I, I think yeah. I, I've already made one of my two free transfers this week, and I brought in Rudiger ahead of what looked like an inevitable price rise on on Monday evening, and uh, so I I heavily favor that Chelsea defense here. Southampton couldn't score against Wolves, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I I like that. I like that shout. Yeah, I think that um, yeah, and Rudiger too. Um, the reason he maybe just slightly less appealing just because he doesn't have as much attack at threat, although he did score um, obviously in, in game week five. Um, yeah, I think that, um, I, I think he, he probably prioritizes both matches in this case, especially because they did just lose at home to Man City. And so he might feel like they have to kind of, they, and, and the international break ends, uh, you know, kicks off on Sunday too. So there could be, um, a feeling of like, well, these players are going to get, well, usually international break, you have a little a few more players rested. In this case, most of his players will be traveling and they're going to be playing three matches over the quarter. <laughs> I am already like, I don't even want to think about it yet. Cause I'm not, I, first of all, I'm a little bit about the international break is coming, but it is tempered because the U S men's team have some actually interesting and important matches that they're going to play. Like they got to play Canada and suddenly playing Canada is like a yeah. highly stressful match that I am kind of dreading already so um they've already what they drew one one with them right the first time they played them so yeah. it's uh, maybe they don't play can i don't know whatever i don't want to get into u.s men's national team talk on this pod right now i, I want to but i won't um so <laughs> this that temptation all right so you've made one transfer so far who was who went out for uh rudiger luke shaw bye bye oh, beef boy right. beef yeah. boy buzz cut is gonna take a hike for rudiger <laughs> yeah. and uh i will never never look back no, I no, I I dropped Sean on the wild card, and I I think that's I think I'm good with that. I know I know he's on the ball a lot. I know he creates chances, but I just the stress of them conceding clean sheet after clean sheet is just too annoying. And obviously, we just we don't know what his health is is going to be like either. Although that was another factor. I mean, you know, another thing to consider with with uh, Ronaldo is if, if Shaw is out, I think that actually could affect uh, his chances in the match. I mean, I, I you know just because uh, Shaw's threat has not translated into the attacking returns that you might hope for, it does kind of kickstart a lot of their offense, right? And without Shaw on that, on the left there to sort of start the play, um, you know, I do think that was affecting um, Man United's ability a little bit to get, you know, they said these, like, I felt like, uh, you know, you had Mason Greenwood who was out there, like, uh, just kind of desperate to prove that he was, um, that he deserved to be in that lineup or something, but it ended up, it ended up becoming kind of ridiculous. Like he had all these shots, but none of them were kind of, they were like all against the run of play. It was like he just wanted to prove that he could do it or something. It was just sort of a little, yeah, did that's, not encouraging. Uh, some real cool man management happening there. Um, I yeah. will. I mean, Luke Shaw takes all these corner kicks. We keep waiting for Ronaldo to score on a header uh, for for United. So maybe maybe a little bit of magic will re-enter the equation with somebody else taking the corner kicks if Shaw is in fact absent. Yeah. 
Well, maybe, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I still, I feel like Varane is due for a goal on one of those corner kicks too. It feels like he's always, he's been in the mix ever since he joined that team. So, so yeah, I mean, Liverpool, Man City, I feel like that's just one where you just roll out all your players and, you know, see what happens. I mean, that, that match could be nil-nil. It could be 4-3. It could be kind of anything. And I mm-hmm. think as a general rule of thumb, I don't try to, um, like, with 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 a big matchup like that, I, I don't think you should, you try to game it and you try to bench a Trent or something like that. You just you just throw them all out there and, and hope that you know Cancelo. I think would be the, if I had Cancelo, I would I would certainly start him as well. You know, you just don't know yeah. how the match is going to turn out. This is why I am planning to wild card during the international break after game week seven because there are things there are things I want to do to Manchester City, Josh. Uh, but I, I don't really feel like I want to do them heading into yeah. game week seven. So I'll wait and then do my Man City business. Uh, but I agree with you. Trent gets the start. Sala gets the start. Jota gets the start. Let's see what happens. So if you're wild carding going into the international break, um, that feels like you've got, and you've got one extra transfer still. What, you know, you have kind of like a free roll transfer wise. What are you thinking about doing with that other transfer? Yeah, well, I, it, it would be one of Jota or Greenwood. The problem is I'm really not convinced by any midfielders going into game week seven. So then I am a little intrigued by the the idea of moving Ronaldo to Lukaku just to see what happens there because I do think Lukaku is captainable. Uh, and I honestly think that might lead uh, as far as decisions go for me is, is just keep that midfield of Salah, Greenwood, Jota, Benrama and maybe an armband on Lukaku against Southampton can, can carry my team this week. But I, that just sounds fun to me. And honestly, I jumped on Rudiger because of the price rise, and I fully expect to have would expect to have Rudiger on a wild card. So I'm just like, this week I'm kind of like preemptively chasing players so I yep. don't have to buy them for, for more once yep. I hit that wild card. Uh, I mean, I don't think Lukaku is going to rise in value this week, but that would definitely push me over the edge in terms of making making that switch. I'm still surprised that you're not higher on Sar because I think at 6.1 million, I think he's got four goals and one assist on the season so far, and they play Leeds who don't have a defense. Um, it feels like he would be somebody to to consider as well, and that especially yeah. on a one week punt. I mean, Sar's fixtures. I think that I, I I saw a bunch of comments about Sar having this like. Uh, you know, massive, terrible, like, like run of fixtures, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks. But I mean, I, they don't look that bad to me. I mean, I don't know, like people like it leads away Liverpool at home. I think that's fine. Honestly. I mean, he's, he's done well at Liverpool at home in the past and Everton away. I think that one's fine. Southampton at home. I think that one's okay. Um, I mean, it's not, it's not phenomenal and you see a lot of red when you look at the fixture ticker, but, um, I'm certainly not planning to move him anytime soon. You see a lot of red because Watford aren't, aren't a very good team, I guess. I mean, and I, I don't want to like dunk on Sar. I think he's a he's a great player, but right. it's just Watford are just so weird. Uh, I couldn't couldn't fully pull out an argument of what the problem is with Watford, but uh, I think they they're just a team that, particularly away from home, are are, are quite likely to not show up. Well, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I, you know, I, mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think they're a great team either. But I mean, he is playing great and he's super cheap. So I think that he is, you know, Rafinha. I think you could consider as well. It looks like he's, uh, you know, healthy. 
um, which yeah. had been a bit of a doubt. So that could be another player to consider there. Yeah, I mean, it, it, he so he he asked to be subbed off in the match against West Ham, and he's got a groin hip complaint, and yeah. you know he doesn't have a full clean bill of health. But yeah, I, so yeah, I, I, it's fair enough. Like if I were to find two midfielders to fill in for Jota or Greenwood, it would be Saar or Rafinha. I I I cop to that for sure. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he's just, he's like in that position that sometimes players find themselves in fantasy where like, they're like a little bit injured. And so it's like, they scare everyone off, but, and nobody who has them wants to drop them. And yeah. yet, and yet once you have him, you just kind of keep getting attacking returns every week. And I feel like that's, that's where he, is, where he keeps scoring all these matches and we're like, but he's a doubt. We don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Rashford had I mean, a little bit of that with his foot yeah, last, right. last season. And, yeah. you know, you, you kind of go until finally the doctors say, you might never play again, Rafinha. <laughs> right, exactly. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. As far as my transfer decisions go, um, I'm I just have all these injured players right now. Um, uh, in particular, Reese James and uh, Patrick Bamford. So, I really can't make a decision until I find out what what's up with them. Um, if if they are, uh, if they're not cleared and they're both going to miss this weekend, I have some tough decisions to make. I think what I would probably do is move Reese James to Marcus Alonso, which I hate to do just because it's, it's not a lateral move because if he's injured, it's, it's just a move, but it's mm-hmm. like, I'm annoyed because I, I could have done it on a wild card two weeks ago. You yeah. know what I mean? And so it sort of feels like a waste of a transfer, but I think that would be the most logical move. And then I think I would really seriously consider Captain Alonso if I had him. I like it. I, I, in fact, I love it. I love it, Josh. I mean, Marcus, the the lion's mane, Alonzo. <laughs> I know. I never thought he'd be back in my team, you know. But but here we are. So so we'll we'll talk more about that on Thursday's pod. Though, like you said, the Champions League is going to change things a lot. Uh, thanks everyone for listening. Sorry again for being a day late. I hope this podcast was was a little different, a little um, I don't know, a little a little different for us. I feel like uh, we kind of we went off uh, we went out of our comfort zone talking about some of these players. I mean, uh, as <laughs> as you heard, we spent eighteen minutes uh, proving that we had, didn't have a coherent opinion on Jimmy Vardy. So you know, very <laughs> yeah. And if anyone wants to share this with Decore, by, by all means, I would love his feedback. Yeah, exactly. Let us know. Uh, so once again, uh, thank you, though, to um, everyone who supports the podcast. Sincerely, uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash always cheating. We'll be back with a new podcast this Thursday. Uh, so thanks again to everybody. And uh, Brendan, do you want to thank our producer patrons? Yeah, thanks to producers Mike DiPietro, Trevor Ingerson, Chris Howell, Andy Penn, Martin Savage, Brian T. DeBig Gaffer. Bob is Coon, Jeff Husby, Ben Grant, James Holland, Dave Wagner, Lodal. Great spending time with you, Dave, this past week. Nick Wright, Jim Payne, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Travis West, Victor Forbrook, Skoging, Paul Herzig, Andy Portlock, Toothless Gibbon, Lindsey Rostel, Anton Markov, at FPL Merch, Kerry Swanson, Kieran Screeton, Francis Mann, Chris Carter, Blue Nose Stew, Mikey Uong, Bruce Kerr, Sam Shower, Rich Evans, Future Media Group, FPL, Ben Sweeney, George Kinney, Ship Morjaria, Ron Frosk, AJ, Fly You Fools, Jeremy Spiker, Lazarus Yanos, Jesse Halstead, Matthew Becker, Caleb Rabbi, Todd Byerly, Alper Paxoy, Martin Ospeth, Lee Hickman. Uh, gee, I got to lean in here, Josh, and hit the uh, hit the command plus. 
because we love you, Vulgar, Paulson, Kruger, Jazz Binning, Francis Moore, and Managed by Lasso. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Acast, wherever you find podcasts. Follow us on social media. Email us, hailcheaters at gmail.com. Visit our website, alwayscheating.com. And I wish you all the best of luck in Game Week 7. Would you do the same, Josh? Uh, yeah, I would sincerely. Yeah, I said sincerely twice at the close here, Brandon. But yeah, I, I wish everybody the best of luck. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a, it's, I think it's going to be the second tricky game week in a row. Honestly, I think that Liverpool Man City match really complicates things. International break kicking off makes things weird. And uh, yeah, maybe you to play in the early match. So just, you know, kind of gird your loins again, Brandon, mm-hmm. because I think this mm-hmm. could be this could be another tricky one. So uh, but I think things really turn around in game week eight. So I left to think of a wild card then. So let's uh, let's hope for the best and we'll see you next week. Bye. Poker forever. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.